backroom politics. Out there in Radio Land, it's Tuesday, which means it is time for the best political talk show you've never heard of. It is Backroom Politics, live on Blog Talk Radio. Another remote session of the show. I am down in Texas, the great Lone Star State. Joining me as they do every Tuesday from the National Capital Region, he is the retired one-star admiral from your United States Navy. He is the man we know as Admiral Ken Carradine. Admiral Ken, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Justin. And I would be remiss if I did not tell you how blessed I am that you took me on as a panelist on the show. Your leadership, wow. Justin, your leadership is, is so above par. It, it makes me want to sit down and just take note. Um, wow. I am truly honored, truly honored that, that I am. That <laughs> I've been, I'm speechless at this point. I've run out of good words. For you. Wow. Alan Moore, the man that we know who has served as undersecretary for commerce for at least Four presidents. He is longtime Senate staffer, longtime Washington insider, cabinet type praise. You want to issue the moderator? Well, I I was actually uh, disappointed that that Ken held back uh, as much as he did because it is truly an extraordinary honor that you, Justin, have bestowed upon us. Uh, we, we feel uh, so grateful that each week we get to spend some time in your presence and to <laughs> have a chance to reflect on your leadership, guidance, and wisdom. So thank you. Can I get an amen for the radio audience? I, I, I believe that the amens are coming in on our Twitter feed as we speak. Wow. That being said, now that we've gone through the cabinet meeting, we can now get to the pressing issues at hand, and there are a ton of them. We can, we're going to talk about the Comey uh, testimony from last week in front of the Senate Intelligence Committee. We're going to talk about, as we are in breaking news right now, the big screen here in League City, Texas. We are watching Attorney General Jeff Sessions testify in front of his former comrades in the Senate in front of the Senate Intelligence Committee about his involvement with the Russia probe, his involvement with the campaign, and his recusal from the investigation going on and other topics. Let's talk about what's happening right now. Uh, Senator Se- or former Senator Sessions, now Attorney General Sessions, is currently testifying in front of the full Senate Intelligence Committee. Uh, he is to use, or lack of a better word, he is being at best defiant, at worst rebellious towards his former body. It is uh, a very defiant Attorney General Sessions. He has done everything but actually used the words executive privilege uh, and came out in an opening statement that I thought was very, very powerful. Uh, against his character, which he feels are not only lies, but are hurting his ability to, uh, to actually be the attorney general. Uh, Alan Moore, you're, you're watching this go on right now. What are your thoughts happening as far as how is attorney general Sessions doing in front of the Senate? I think he's doing very well. Here is an really? angry 
Absolutely. Here's a guy who was trashed. He well, he was trashed twenty five years ago when he uh, was nominated to be a federal judge. Um, he was trashed a few months ago when he went through the confirmation process to be attorney general, um, and and some of which hearkened back to. Uh, things that were said about him 25 years ago that were proved to be wrong that were highlighted by the likes of Elizabeth Warren and others on the floor of the United States Senate, uh, something for which she was reprimanded, which is a highly unusual thing. I'm not trying to relitigate that. He he got into this situation where in the case of two two meetings – Two encounters, one a meeting and and one a meeting, a side meeting uh, at at another event that he had with the ambassador from Russia, Kislyak, that that in his mind were meetings he held uh, in the course of being a senator, along with many other senators who've met with Kislyak and many other ambassadors that Sessions has met with. And that led to a host of accusations that somehow, and it was, the context was in effect accusing him of colluding with the Russians to undermine our system. If that doesn't make a patriot indignant, I don't know what does. And this was his chance to come back and and, and indicate that he was deeply offended at the at the very suggestion. He wasn't saying these guys were making those suggestions. But that's the context in which he was there. I thought he was strong and pointed, and it was and an appropriate, given the mud that the guy has been dragged through, and on the on the slimmest uh, uh, bits uh, uh, of information. So uh, I thought he handled himself pretty darn well under the circumstances. There will be mixed. Uh, feelings about it there will be even uh, senator warner before he before sessions even spoke said well we didn't really want you this early but i guess we're glad to have you and we sure hope that you'll come back to talk to us and and talk to all these other committees um this (laughs) this is this being a guy who has recused himself from uh from the russia investigation the two Russia investigations, right? Remember, there are two here, and this we often forget. The investigation of whether Russia tried to interfere in our election, and two, whether there were U.S. officials, particularly associated with the Trump campaign, who were working alongside the Russians, either on that or other inappropriate matters. So it's sort of two pieces. One's, one is criminal, um, and, 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 and one is not. So um, he, here's, he's recused from that. He's not recused from everything else. Uh, we can talk more about it, but I, I, th- I thought he was doing pretty well. And I, I say that as a guy who, who readily said many times, he would not have been my choice to be attorney general. Interesting. Admiral Ken, uh, you agree with uh, Ellen Moore on this? With the exception of one, one item. So, my and not being an attorney, and once again, I miss Dan Lipner's knowledge on this, uh, and that's the only thing about Dan I'm missing right now. Uh, um, but recusal for me means that okay, that's a hot potato, 
I'm not going to get involved with that. I'm not going to touch that. I'm going to basically let my deputy handle it because I, for whatever reason, uh, for whatever reason, uh, don't need, have promised I, I wasn't going to get involved with that. So for me, if Comey was indeed uh, dismissed, and according to the president's official statement via his, fav- his favorite uh, uh, news outlet, Twitter, um, the president said that he, he dismissed Comey because of uh, uh, the ongoing witch hunt, uh, also known as the Russian investigation. So um, to say that he recused himself from this and then unrecused himself for that event and then recused himself again, you know, that, that in, my, in my mind creates an issue for me. But, well, maybe, uh, but here's, the, here's the thing about this. I, I, I need to talk about, I need to talk about that, but. Oh, hold on. Let me just jump in because I think I know where you're going to go with this, Alan. At, you know, Admiral Ken, I do have to give credit to Attorney General Sessions. He signed data, uh, Code of Federal Regulations, which govern the operation of the Department of Justice, where it is clear that regardless of his contact with Russian diplomats or other officials involved with the Russian government, he did cite uh, verbatim law that states that as a surrogate, as somebody who was directly involved with the campaign, he had to recuse himself for no other reason. Alan Moore, is that where you're going with it? No, you, you, no you're missing my but, point. But that- no, but that, but that's, but that's, but that's relevant. Uh, it, it's it, my, my point is my point is a, a little bit broader. He recused himself from the two, in my construct, investigations relating to Russia. One was because, as you just said, um, the, the 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 departmental rules that say if you were part of a campaign, then you have to recuse yourself from any investigation relating to the campaign. Um, the other has to do with Russian intervention in our election. He chose to recuse himself from that because there was the, 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 the flurry of activity associated with the two meetings he had that in his mind he didn't have to disclose, but the fact that he didn't was creating a diversion. And he said, all right, I'm out of all of the Russian investigations. Done. He, I'm refused for that. The FBI, no, 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 no. The no, no. The FBI is an eight billion dollar organization, a small narrow sliver of which was devoted to looking at issues relating to Russia. He did not recuse himself from overseeing the FBI. He recused himself from the Russian investigation. He said in his testimony that the reasons he, Sessions, supported the firing of Comey were entirely in the content of the Rosenstein memo. He said, they reflected my views. That was my recommendation to the president. The president had the right, the authority, to decide on any basis he wanted to get rid of Comey. And he cited numerous ones. He said, he's a showboat. I don't like the guy. He said to Lester Holt, was Russia an issue? Yeah, that was an issue too. He also cited the Rosenstein memo. He had multiple reasons. Everybody likes to say he fired him only over Russia. That's not what he said, but 
that's not what Sessions said. Sessions yeah, but- recusal dealt with a couple of things, and he did, he was not, in my mind, violating the ground rules of his recusal by the stuff he did and the stuff he has said. Okay, but Alan, I, I, I understand where you're going with this, and I will give Attorney General Sessions credit for adhering to the CFR that governs his authority as the Attorney General. However, there are several kinks in his argument that he has brought forward today in his opening statement. He brought forward issues uh, when questioned by uh, both Senator Rubio and uh, by members of the Democratic Caucus on the committee. That just does not make sense. For example, when, Senator, when, when, when Attorney General Sessions says that there is when, – when I met with uh, FBI, former FBI Director Comey the day after the private discussion he had with the president, and he asked him, please do not leave me alone. It is inappropriate, and I don't agree with where he's going with this. He says that is absolutely true. Any official in the Department of Justice – should not have private conversations with the president. Sworn testimony that, yeah, you know what? I left him alone with the president. It, it, there's, there's a lot of conflict here that I just can't get my arms wrapped around it. And Admiral Ken, am I talking out of left field here? No, and I, I go back. I go back to. You know, I think you, you gentlemen both missed my point with regard to, the, to, to, to what I was trying to say about the recusal. So, granted, he, he made a decision, and, and apparently, uh, as we sit here today, a pretty wise one, you know, to pull himself away from the mire that is that, that issue. And, and my comment is, you know, while he didn't think that he was dismissing um, Secretary Comey, over the Russia in, uh, incident, the president thought that, and the president said as much. Now, with regard to um, whether he acted appropriately in protecting his guy, who was the assistant director, or who was the director of the FBI at the time, I think he, in as much, admitted that today um, he did not he did not act as forcefully as he probably should have. Nor did Comey in that regard. Comey. You know, from his testimony, I think we're going to talk about that uh, later on the show. Uh, I think there were one or two times when Comey could have shown a little bit more courage, more moral courage than he did in the face of some pretty troubling incidents by, by his own admission. But let, 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 let's talk about – and we're going to talk about the Comey uh, testimony here later in the show. You're absolutely right, Admiral Ken. But, Alan, when I, when I listen to the testimony of – of Attorney General Sessions, there is a lot of I don't recall. There's a lot of there's no recollection. And when pressed on the issue, it seems that his memory becomes foggier and foggier. I would think that the Attorney General, particularly with the fact that he's known that this has been an issue since day one, would try and make himself a little bit more cognizant of you in the is that a wrong assumption? Well, here's the problem in the construct of the question. 
It's totally nonspecific. You know, I haven't watched every word of this testimony, so I don't know how often he has said he doesn't recall. What I did hear him say is that that he had a he had a meeting in his office. Staff were present. It in his mind, he had that meeting in the context of his role as a United States senator, just as he met with many other rep, foreign foreign representatives. He remembered that meeting. He didn't remember every detail of it, but he he answered originally to to Senator Franken's rambling question about collusion in in a in a very firm no i never had any meeting with a, with a foreigner relating to collusion and then when it was asked well hey you met with with Kislyak. it was like i was answering a different question in his opening statement he reread his answer to uh to senator franken from months ago putting it into context I think that wasn't, you know, I thought that was totally legitimate. That that he thinks he met uh, around the edges of a, of a political meeting that Kislyak and many others were present, um, but it wasn't a private meeting. And then when it came to the famous Mayflower incident, which uh, which you yourself, Justin, tried to make something of last week, um, <laughs> when, when I said there were only two meetings we know about, and you said, oh, CNN, Senator Zermis. And I said, name him. Anyway, he said he does not remember. He does not remember seeing Kislyak there. He doesn't remember a conversation with Kislyak. He doesn't. Re- he certainly doesn't remember any meeting with Kislyak. And it's pretty clear that the only reason that anyone has put Kislyak and Sessions together was not anybody who was at the any American who was at the meeting was it was an intercept of something that Ambassador Kislyak wrote back to Russia that we picked up where Kislyak almost certainly inflated his role in his context, saying, oh, I I was at this session, I had a meeting with uh, Senator Sessions, and who knows who else he allegedly had a meeting with, who might have just been other senators who happened to be present. So far as I know, that's the one thing where he doesn't remember. He doesn't remember because there was there was it sounds like a good chance there was nothing to remember. Now maybe there's some other things where he said he doesn't remember. I don't know. I haven't watched all this testimony. I just think we we got to be really careful. I'm not a huge fan of, of of the attorney general, but I'm trying to treat him honestly and fairly and and in 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 a reasonable context here. So, and fair enough. Fair um, enough. Alan brings up a very valid point here: is that some of the assertions that have been surrounding the attorney general have been based on outed intelligence that we've gotten from communique between the Russian embassy in Washington and Moscow. Is this a situation where we have the administration's position, we have the Russians' position, and somewhere in the middle there might be the truth? Yes. And if it's based on classified information, the truth that is, if if knowing the truth is based on classified information, we may never know the entire whole story. 
because unless there's a really good reason to divulge that information, it won't happen. And I, I think I think maybe, you know, there's probably a good amount of people that are ready to throw the penalty flag on the government for wanting to keep things secret. You know, the problem with, with outing classified information is that when you do it, you also can inadvertently uh, expose how you obtained that information, thereby making those sources not viable anymore. Um, now, I realize there's a balance to everything. Um, reality winners um, uh, work uh, last week uh, exposed the fact that, yeah, no kidding, the Russians really were involved in this. real question that I have is, did the president know that? And if he did, why is he trying to blame uh, hacking into the U.S., uh, um, uh, attempted hacking to the U.S. election system on some 300-pound uh, guy sitting in a bed in New Jersey? Um, I, you know, I, I think that there's a real problem here, and I don't think we're ever going to – if it's based on classified information, I don't think we're ever going to know what the real story is. Well, and, and, and I want to be clear about one thing. I, I personally, as moderator, am not trying to besmirch <clears throat> excuse me, the history or the public record of Jeff Sessions. He served honorably as a senator. Uh, I do not believe that there is a general to lead the American public. However, I still think that there's a lot of stuff that he may know that he is not letting out there. And that comes to my question. And, Alan, I need your expertise on this. We heard it a lot last week during the Comey testimony, and we've heard it a couple of times, particularly in the opening uh, remarks by uh, the chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee. We, we hear about open and closed sessions. Does a closed session necessarily mean that it is a classified session, or is yes. it something that it, it does? Automatically, a closed yes. session automatically means it is – what? It means what there is information that's going to be shared that, can, uh, that, 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 is, that is classified information that is accessible only to people – who A, have the class of the required classification, and B, have a need to know. And does the as oversight, have that need to know to ask whether or not Sessions goes into an open or closed or Comey goes into an open and closed session? Well, so, so the – if you're on the intelligence committee, and that's the, the committee that's, that's held these last three hearings, um, right? You are you are by defin you you are by definition um, uh, you you have the individual uh, access to uh, the these classifications. You've presumably been given some training into what that means, into what you can and cannot say, um, and uh, a lot of the information that you're typically seeing is in a, in a special, secure, locked reading room where you cannot take information out of that room. Uh, the, the only people allowed in, the, in those rooms, and including in a, in a hearing that would, be, that would be a closed session, would be the senators and staff who have the required classifications. But it's not just... Uh, uh, in, in, in general, as Ken would know way more than me about this, when people are cleared to receive, say, secret or top secret information, 
it doesn't mean that they are cleared to see any top secret information in the purview of the federal government. It's, it's only in narrow slices that individuals are allowed to see the, the top secret stuff. It's the need to know it's I'm top secret. And here's the, how, here's the, the, the field in which I work and I'm entitled to see everything top secret in that field. Um, but that may not, that doesn't mean nuclear secrets or defense department secrets right. um, or international trade secrets, uh, army secrets. If I'm in the Navy, uh, all Navy secrets, if I'm uh, aboard ship. So, so the, but the, let me, let me, let me ask this question though, Alan is because the impression that a lot of people in the public are getting is that, for example, the Comey testimony where he said, I'd rather not talk about this in open committee, that he may have said uh, he may have said some things, as have the other intel chiefs gone into closed committee and stated facts that ne- not necessarily would have been considered top secret or of national security, but may be uh, information that should not be put out into the public but not classified, but kept closed as a matter of need to know. Is that accurate? Well, I think that, that uh, remember, a document that is classified top secret may have one sentence that governs the classification. Everything right. else may, may be just fine. The reason you go into a closed session is because it's pretty clear that there are going to be some of those top secret sentences in the context of paragraphs and pages of, okay. of, of the spoken word. So, you know, they start digging into questions about, uh, about what's coming up in the investigation uh, in the answer. Um, there's going to be context and then true nuggets of top secret information. That's generally the purpose. It's look, these are, these are, partisan politicians. They're not going to be sharing um, uh, political strategy and, and political secrets uh, in, in those meetings. Um, it, it really is about protecting classified information um, uh, because, as Ken points out, uh, um, smart people, when they hear certain kinds of information, uh, whether it's leaked or in, in public testimony, um, realize, wait, the only reason that the Americans could know that Kislyak had claimed to have a meeting with Sessions at the Mayflower Hotel on such and such a date is because that's what he wrote back to Moscow. And damn it, they've got access to, to, to that. How did we do that? Did we send it in the pouch? Was that encrypted? How was that done? Because... It looks to us like they have busted our code, and we need to find another way to communicate. That's it, 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 that's the that's the great fear in 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 all of this stuff. Uh, in addition to the the information itself, um, but usually the bigger fear is we don't want our sources and methods uh, to be uh, unveiled to our enemy. So, Admiral Ken, you have anything to add on that? Only to Alan. Well done, Grasshopper. Well done. You don't have to suck up to. You only have to suck up to Justin, Ken. You don't have to suck up to me. 
it's like a it's like a cabinet briefing in the White House. Hey, uh, we do need to talk. We do need to talk about that because there, no, I no, have a are. couple of observations. Oh, no, no. We, yeah, we, good. We are good, so good, talking yeah, about that. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the continued testimony by uh, Attorney General Jeff Sessions, and we're going to deep dive into the Comey. Uh, into the Comey testimony from last week. This is Backroom Politics live from uh, a, a split-screen edition. I'm in Texas. Admiral Kent and Allen are in the National Capital Region, and we will be back in three minutes. Stay with us. You know, Shelley's Backroom has been hosting Backroom Politics for seven years. Seven years. It's still unbelievable we've been doing it that long. But make no mistake about it, Shelley's Backroom is one of a kind in Washington, D.C. Shelley's is a comfortable retreat for cigar aficionados and those who simply want to unwind. The casual but elegant space features soft lighting, cozy couches, and overstuffed chairs. Shelly's Backroom is a cigar-friendly establishment, but the -the state-of-the-art air purification system keeps the atmosphere comfortable for smokers and non-smokers alike. Sit back and enjoy yourself while chatting with friends or watching one of the eight high-definition TVs, or come by any Tuesday, enjoy your favorite cigar or one of the signature cocktails, and watch how Backroom Politics is made. Convenient to public transportation and the sites of the nation's capital, Shelley's is easily dividable to accommodate intimate gatherings or large-scale special events. Shelley's Back Room, 1331 F Street, in the heart of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. As Bob says, it's the place to be. One more once. 
back here live on Blog Talk Radio for the best political talk show you've never heard of. It is Backroom Politics. On a split-screen session, I'm down in Texas, and Admiral Ken and are up in the uh, We're going to continue our discussion about the ongoing testimony by uh, Attorney General Jeff Sessions, and we're going to take a, a moment now and kind of go into deep dive about the testimony last week of fired former FBI director James Comey. Um, let me start with you, Admiral Ken. Did, the big question has been the credibility of James Comey after it was announced during his testimony that he leaked a private memo to a friend to get it to the New York Times. Let me start with the big question first. Did James Comey appear credible in his testimony last week? Yes. How so? Um, I thought that um, I, I expected him to be um, unflappable. I expected him to be able to suppress, uh, I think, the outright anger that uh, uh, any, anybody else would feel. But it was only there just at the, at the, at the very surface. Um, he recounted uh, a lot of the events in a great amount of detail. Um, and I think the last thing that I would tell you is if you go back and you listen to the, the, the Q&A that took place uh, between him and the rest of the panel, be they Republican or Democrat, no one challenged him on any of the, the stories, not one person. Alan Ward did – James Comey lose credibility in his testimony, do you think, with the American public or in your eyes? No, I I I think he he probably I think he started out reasonable you know, with certainly with a higher level of, of believability by public polls than the president, and that did not change uh in the course of the day. There were some things he said that that uh that were somewhat troubling. Um uh, ironically, uh, I think, uh, and this just this thought just came to me. There's there's kind of a little bit of Donald Trump in James Comey, and what I mean by that is um, the president is is famously known for not being particularly cautious and careful in his words, not talking the way we're used to having people talk. And when Comey said that one of the reasons he wrote the memo was because he thought the president might later choose to lie about it, I thought, oh, no, 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 no. You you don't say it like that, just as the way I would to Donald Trump if he's trying to make a point and he's just doing some kind of exaggerated language. There, there are so many, in my old school way of thinking, better ways to say that if – if there was ever a dispute, an argument over what 
was said in that meeting, then I wanted to have my recollection uh, written down in my own words contemporaneously uh, with the time. And somebody said, well, what are you talking about? The president might might be untruthful. Well, maybe he would remember it differently. I mean, there there's a way of talking that doesn't out and out uh, call somebody use the lie word. Now, again, I, I, I'm kind I, of old. I'm kind of old school there because everybody's talking about lying this and lying that, but it bothers me. And it bothered me with when Comey used it. Admiral Ken. I, I did say that, that the level of anger that he must be feeling was just barely perceptible. And I think it, that that is one of the things that I would use as a description of that. This guy, uh, this guy um, was the commanding officer of the largest and best law enforcement agency in the world. And he got canned. Uh, and he got canned in a very, very unprofessional um, and almost personal, uh, personally vindictive way. Um, if he ain't pissed, he ain't human. And I think that there was just a little bit of that that he's managed to basically just, just keep down as much as he can. But I think that is one of the situations that I would have to say it eked out and it, it spoke droves about the fact this guy, this guy does not like Trump. He thinks Trump is a liar and is not of a frame of mind to use um, uh, parliamentary rhetoric to call him something else other than just what so- he just did. Let me ask this question to you, Admiral Ken. Did James Comey go over the top? When is it inappropriate for him to suggest that the president, Donald Trump, might lie about his interactions with James Comey? Not for me. Not for me. Uh, I I think that um, – not for me. I think that um, uh, we're in a whole new world now. Uh, I think Alan is absolutely right that uh, heretofore uh, we, uh, in, 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 in uh, those settings, um, would not be so callous as to, as to call someone a liar. I remember during the State of the Union address uh, with President Obama some years back, somebody stood up and said he lied. You don't do that. It's just not done. Well, the, the age in which you don't do that or it's just not done appears to be in the rearview mirror. Um, so... I think that in the world of plain speak that has basically been made okay by the, by, by the president, uh, I'm not entirely sure that he went over the top on that. So, Alan Moore, going back to the big ticket item that a lot of people grabbed during the Comey testimony, uh, Comey had been asked by uh, Senators and Collins, Republican from Maine, had he, in fact, given any documents or had any contact with somebody outside of the government regarding the situation involving him. And he freely admitted that he had given a personal memo that he had written while director to a friend of his and former law school professor up at Columbia, who then at the suggestion of Comey, then released it to a reporter at the New York times stirred up a huge hornet's nest. And the question to you, Alan Moore, is did did he take away some of his credibility when he admitted that? And two, is it reasonable to suggest that 
Comey may have leaked other items involving this situation? Well, that's, of course, the risk uh, that you take once you own up to uh, leaking once, um, even though the circumstances were highly unusual. Um, I myself have no problem with the fact that he leaked it through a third party uh, to the press. It was not classified. That was that was quite important. Um, and it was a so personal it classified. product. It was a personal product. Uh, all I'm telling you is I don't dispute that, but all I'm saying is it was not a classified document. So he was not violating the law. He had a desire, so far as I any law I'm aware of, so it was his desire to get this story out there. He alone uh, had to control that. He, you know – it would have been highly inappropriate for him to reach out to somebody in the in the department, even his chief chief of staff. There were like five or six people who had seen that memo and knew of those conversations. To after the fact, after he's gone, no longer an employee there to call and say, "Hey, would you mind uh, releasing that?" That's that would I think put those guys would compromise those guys. So he didn't want to compromise people still in the department, all of whom might have been willing to do it. So he finds this 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 uh, this college professor, a friend of his, asks him to do it. The, the, the irony in this case is what he did was he showed how sausage is made, sometimes, certain kinds of sausage, in Washington. That you want to leak stuff to the press, how do you do it? Well, he showed one of the ways. There are multiple ways. People, why didn't you do it yourself? And he said... Yeah, he, I think I've told you guys, he lives two blocks from me, and there's reporters hanging around at the base of his driveway, and he, he, he made reference to them. He said, I got these reporters. You give them something, and it's like handing scraps of fish to seagulls. I mean, they'll just, they'll just f- uh, follow you everywhere and, and won't go away. It's, it's ironic that people were kind of blaming him for using a third – some people blaming him for using a third party rather than just leaking it directly. Well – I, I have no problem with that. And if if he had leaked it directly, then he would have been getting criticized for, for that. In this case, it's self-preservation. He's not violating rules or laws. He's going to take some grief. He could have he he could have refused to 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 mention it, but I think he wisely chose to just be honest about it. Um, my problem with it. My problem with it was when he, in addition to saying what he'd done, why he did it, and then who he did it with, was when he said, my intention was to make sure that an independent counsel got named. I don't think that he should have said that. I don't think he had to say that, and I don't think he had, that, that I, I don't think it helped his cause to, to say that he was trying to force that outcome, even if even even though that was one of his objectives. Part of the objective is simply to say, there's another side to this story, folks, and you need to know about that, and here it is. Very good. Uh, Admiral Ken, you agree? Um, I do. Uh, I do. Uh, I think that... Um, uh, uh, Director Comey, um, I think he had an axe to grind, and, and I think um, I think he was perfectly uh, valid in um, I think he was perfectly valid 
in, in wanting to grind that axe. And I agree with Alan. Um, showing, telling people why he did it probably didn't serve you as well. It, it really, it really, that, that was the other thing that I would point to is saying, he's still pissed. He's got a right to be, but he's still angry. So, Alan Moore, when we look at the way that the firing transpired and the involvement of both the Attorney General and the Deputy Attorney General, uh, Rod Rosenstein, that combined with the the interview that Donald Trump gave to Lester Holt, is there a conflict between the events that many say occurred and the the reality of how it all went down that we still don't know about but need to know about? You know, it it's not clear um, that 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 there are obvious gaps here and 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 how all of this went down. I I think that it was well. Let's remember, the president had the right to fire Comey, and he had some reasons to fire Comey, um, and he fired him in about as ham-handed, ill-timed, poorly coordinated, poorly constructed manner as anyone could possibly come up with. It's one thing to decide to fire. It's another thing to figure out how to do it. And they didn't do the second part before they just ran with it. So the first narrative out of the White House was, well, he got this memo from the Deputy Attorney General that laid out all the mistakes from the the handling of the Hillary case, and that was it. And then the, the very next day, the president says, eh, I was going to fire him anyway. And, uh, and yeah, Russia was an issue. He was a showboat. There were multiple issues in the president's narrative that have now become, well, he fired him over Russia. Well, that that's in, an inadequate explanation. Um, all of this, all of this was self-inflicted damage. All of this could have been uh, with a, with a few more days with the right people in the room, you figure out he's going to, he's going to fire Comey. Um, how do we want to let that news get out? Do we want to leak it? Do we want to let it known that we're looking at replacements? Do Who do we want to tell it to? How do we get some Democrats on board? Instead of, we're going to do it, just do it. Do it today. Do it now. And and the, the, the press operation, the communications operated, looked like idiots. Where are your talking points? You know, that was when Spicer was supposedly hiding behind a bush, because which turned out not to be true, but it was a fun image. Um, and and they didn't have their act together, and and it was a horrible disservice to them. But it also made the whole operation look like a bunch of 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 fools who didn't know what they were doing. And then just to add insult to injury, the day after he talks to Lester Holt, I think is is when he's got the Russian uh, the, the the Russian foreign minister and this notorious ambassador Kislyak. In his office on a previously arranged meeting, uh, privately talking, yucking it up, and supposedly, probably again we learned from uh, intercepts, uh, calling Comey a nut job. I mean, what kind of bullshit is that? It's just easy, 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 easy. 
I'm trying to be come on, Justin. I'm trying to learn to be a Democrat. They're swearing, dropping F bombs, S bombs all over the place. I'm just trying to, you know, join the party. <laughs> so so Admiral Ken, you know, we saw the intelligence chiefs uh give testimony in front of the same Senate Intelligence Committee that is in now uh questioning attorney general sessions we we saw a lot of almost tap dancing around many of the questions coming from the senators on the committee and we heard uh terms like it wouldn't be appropriate or it's not my place and i mean to the point where angus king uh went after all of them saying that you know how you feel is not relevant you are being asked questions by an oversight committee. It is your responsibility to answer two questions here. One, did the committee make a mistake by having the four intelligence chiefs and Rod Rosenstein uh, appear too early? I mean, was it too soon to have all of them appear before Comey? Or was it appropriate to have them in front of Comey? And now we're finding uh, even before the attorney general. Well, I don't, I don't think it really matters, honestly. And, and I, you know, that, that, so I, I won't do, I won't, I won't parrot the, the behavior of uh, some of the people that I've seen on, uh, on these panels in the last couple of weeks by answering the question I want to answer. I'll answer your question first, and then I'll answer the question I want to answer. Uh, your question, was it too soon? No, because if they want, they can always call them back. It's no big deal. I mean, they really can. It's not it's not a one and done kind of situation. Whenever you get a phone call from Congress, um, you you are um, you you probably should go. And if you don't go, they'll just they'll compel you to go to subpoena. So that's not a problem. Um, the question that I want to answer is, you know, do you think that all that stonewalling uh, by those intelligence chiefs and one of them a uh, a Navy admiral was appropriate? No, it was not. It was kind of shameful. And I was very disappointed to see them behave that manner. Uh, it shows that um, there is, an, uh, on their part, it showed an abject disrespect for one of the uh, the three uh, branches of our government. And um, they are perfectly within their rights as oversight to ask the questions that they were asking. If they needed to answer them in a closed setting, they do so. But I thought the way in which those those, those gentlemen handled, them, handled themselves was was abysmal. I was I was not impressed. Alan, same question to you. Was it too early to bring in the intel chiefs, and uh, did they, in fact, disrespect the oversight authority of the committee by tap dancing around it? Uh, I don't think they did. Um, the timing was sort of interesting that you that that they started with them. I think for me, the mistake was to have an, had to have it in open session. These. These, these are. This is the guy, the director of national intelligence, who oversees all of the seventeen intelligence agencies and the head of one of the biggest ones. If 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 there isn't a, a, a couple of people who just almost by definition ought to be talking only in closed session, it's those guys. But no, this was the subject of did the president um, ask you to to indicate there was. Uh, uh, no collusion involved, so they could they could uh, answer that question. Um, 
And then, of course, uh, which was, yeah, he asked, and we didn't do it, and said, can't do it. And and but that's hardly good a, a good dramatic hearing. So then they start to dig. They start to dig about individual about communications about what exactly the president was up to. Now the president chose not to exert executive privilege. Only the president can exert executive privilege. It's not up to an individual to say, well, what? I can't because of executive privilege. That's up to the president. He didn't do but that. Alan, Alan, and, let me let me, uh, let me, let me just, hold on. They, we just, we just jump in with think, a question about that. I don't that. think they should. I have no problem with them not answering. I just I thought it was uh, the committee taking advantage of their willingness to appear in public session, which I think they shouldn't have done, to just knock them around a bit, knowing, guessing that they're not going to say very much, which me, I don't think they should have said. Let me ask this question, though. They did every privilege without stating executive privilege. Do you think, I mean, they even asked the question, have you had a discussion? And it was asked to both Attorney General Sessions earlier in his testimony, and it was uh, asked of all the intel chiefs, have you had a discussion with the president about invoking executive privilege? And they all refused to answer, saying that it would be inappropriate to discuss a conversation with the president. To me, that is invoking executive privilege outside of the executive it, no they are too, they they are being very honest we're not going to talk about our conversations with the president whether we whether there's anybody invoking executive privilege or not if they want to try to somebody if somebody if somebody wants to try to hold them in contempt of congress fine do that if i were up there and somebody said to me what, we're we're, we're going to inquire about kinds, the kinds of conversations you've had with the president. I'd say I'm not going to I'm not here to talk about that. Period. I have no problem with that whatsoever. Even so I'm to in the disagreement with him. On, even to the oversight care. committee. <laughs> An oversight committee in public session. Come on, Justin. Good God, that's not how the system works. You, there has to be a level of privacy and confidentiality in conversations that one has with the president of the United States. And it's not just the president. It's true in cabinet agencies too. Yeah. But Alan, here's my problem is we are talking about a pot. I mean, on two fronts, one criminal, but we're talking about an affront to one of the core bastions of our democracy and that is our election process. When you are talking about the possible influence and possible criminal wrongdoing of some of the participants of the campaign involvement in this, it to me, for a matter of transparency, and the American public has a right to know, that as a matter of transparency, if in fact the president is directing them not to answer questions about these core issues to the committee that provides the oversight for the American people as the second of three branches, that to me screams of, at least in the optics world that we live in, the optics on that are horrible. Why not just say, hey, look, the president and I talked 
I'm not going to give you the details, but he did not invoke executive privilege, and I can tell you he has not told me to stop the investigation. The moment you start talking about what you have spoken to the president about, there is no stopping it. And they all decided we're not going there, period. And if they had been an executive, if I totally agree, if they had been an executive session, um, they they probably wouldn't have gone any farther. Maybe they would have in occasionally here or there. Um, And so they're going to go up there. They're going to get beat around the bush. Uh, You guys apparently thought that they they screwed up and had a dereliction of duty. I have a different view. So you know we can keep talking about it, but. Well, it's a big deal because we're, we've seen uh, Attorney General Sessions say the same thing. I think at this point, when you're testifying in front of an oversight committee, an oversight committee that is conducting an investigation, whether it's closed or open session, as long as you are not divulging uh, classified information, I believe no, no, that no, they no, have- no, no, no. It's not a matter of classified. It's also no, a no, matter no. of confidential. Executive privilege isn't about classified. No, I, I understand that, but what I'm saying is you're talking to a committee that is in that is directly overseeing an investigation into two issues that are big, big issues in this nation, one of them possible criminal. And you mean to tell me that they have that there is no responsibility for them as public servants to address the oversight committee? And state for the record that they were not told – I mean, to me, I would think that if I was the president, I would want them to tell, hey, the president told me – he never told me. We never had the discussion of closing down the investigation or trying to suppress information regarding it. To me, if I was Trump and I was the administration, I would tell them, tell them what we talked about because at no time did I tell them to – Tampered down on the investigations. What it looks like. These to guys me, aren't. Let me remind you something. These guys aren't even doing the investigation. Okay, it's the the DNI who oversees all of these guys, but he doesn't have direct authority over the FBI, and and it's the FBI that's doing the investigation. They were called what? there. The, the 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 rumor was the word was they were asked directly by the president. Can you say publicly that there was no collusion between the campaign and the Russians? It would really help me if you could say that. And they said, let, let's, let me get back to you, and basically said, no, we no, can't no, but wait, do wait, that. Wait, 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 wait. No, 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 that's not what I'm talking about. Story. That is well, not what I'm talking about. But that was, that's the heart of why they were even but, up there. But they're Alan, up there, and the and the members are going to try to start digging in to learning more about what their conversations with the president were, what they might or might not know about the state of the investigation. It is entirely inappropriate but, for them ah, to talk about that. You you can Alan, disagree wait, 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 with wait, wait, me. Wait, wait, no, 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 wait, 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 Alan. Let me just point out one fact. You said that the that, I, the, that the organization. Oh my, wait, 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 wait! Oh my God! Here comes a fact. Whoa! I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay, you ready? The Senate yeah. Intelligence Committee is in fact conducting an investigation 
on the Russian question. Is that not, is that not accurate? That is accurate. So if That's they a fact. Are, that is a fact. <laughs> I got it. So that being the case, is there not a responsibility to have them answer if there was any discussion as part of the committee's investigation, which that hearing was a part of, is there not a responsibility for them to answer truthfully about did the president ask them to hamper the investigation or put it aside? To me, I think they should. I'd have to, you know, I'd have to go back and look at what the actual questions were. If somebody asked them, did the president ask you to, 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 to slow down this thing, to interfere this thing? I don't think that's the kind of, I don't think that's the question they were asking. That would be an easy, of course not. But we're mixing these kind of, these sort of generic feelings and notions and roles and responsibilities. Oh. Tell me, give me a, give me a specific question. Tell me the answer that was given, well, and I'll I look, indicate whether I thought I that looked, was an appropriate answer or not. While I look this up, Ken. Please do. Justin, uh, I just want to say, just, I just want to say, I don't think Alan's being very respectful to you right now. And, What's that? Uh, I don't think Alan's being very respectful to you right now. And, um, <laughs> oh, oh, my God, no. No, 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 no. Don't say that. Oh, know. my God. I would never, I would never, ever question your, your greatness in the manner that, that, that Alan's doing, ever. Okay? I'm, I'm on my knees. I'm on my knees begging right, forgiveness. You know, what, we're a, you know what? You know what? We're going to take a break because we're going to put this to bed and we're at the top of the hour anyways. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to put this to bed. When we come back, we're going to continue the discussion about the Senate Intelligence investigation and the committee hearings we're also going to talk about a very disturbing rumor coming out of washington that is the result of a close ally of donald trump talking to pbs about firing the special counsel we'll talk about that and a lot more when we come back this is backroom politics the best political talk show you never heard of live on blog talk radio stay with us
backroom politics. And we're back for a split-screen edition of Backroom Politics. I am live here in League City, Texas, thanks to the guys at the Man Cave Cigar Palace in League City, Texas, for allowing me to run my part of the show. And joining us from the National Capital Region, as they do every Tuesday, Admiral Ken Carradine and the Honorable Alan Moore. All right, we're going to continue this discussion because, Alan, the, 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 the question you had is, give me the example, Politico in a – uh, in an article that they posted last week after the testimony of the Intel chiefs, in an article uh, put together by Kyle Cheney and Josh Gerstein, our friends over at Politico, uh, and I'm going to quote their opening line, quote, two of the nation's top intelligence officials refused to say Wednesday whether President Donald Trump asked them to intervene in or downplay the FBI's ongoing Russian investigation, though they said they never felt pressure to act inappropriately, unquote. Now, here's the question. Is, Alan, I go back to my point of, they, when they say they, were, they never felt pressure to act inappropriately, that is subjective, in my opinion. It would be very simple for them. As Angus King pointed out to Admiral Rogers, to say, look, say yes or no. He either did or he didn't. And I think that them tap dancing around the inappropriateness of answering about a discussion with the president, I think this proves that they were asked and refused to answer fully. And by the way, for the record, uh, after about two hours of testimony, uh, the Senate Intelligence Committee is in fact adjourned. Uh, Attorney General Jeff Sessions is greeting uh, some supporters and others in the gallery, and we'll be walking over to shake hands with the senators, I'm sure. Anyway, uh, Alan Moore, I go back to my point is, why not just say yes or no? They made it very clear that they were not going to talk about particular specific conversations with the president, period. If you look at their answer – you look at their answer. They're asked about conversations with the president. They said they made no reference to the president. They said we have never been asked to do something that we consider to be inappropriate or whatever the language was. They were not going there. They were not going to talk about conversations with the president. I have no problem with that whatsoever. I think they did the right thing. Now, you guys can disagree. We can keep beating this to death, but that was, that's my take on, I, on what they were doing, and I have no problem with it at all. Well, Admiral Ken. Admiral Ken. Did we lose Admiral Ken? He's speechless. No, sorry. Uh, I don't have anything further to add on that either. Okay, there we go. <laughs> let's uh let's talk for a second about uh Can I can I Alan, can I make one, one can I make one more statement though? Yeah, yeah, no, go ahead. So with regard to the, the, the Comey um the Comey testimony last week. You know, a lot of, lot of he said, he said, um, you know, uh, some, 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 you know, uh, I guess, uh, depressed anger occasionally eking out, as we've talked about. Um, but, you know, the thing for me that, and, uh, and, I, and I pretty much put this out on our, on our companion um, uh, network, Sidewire, the thing for me that troubled me the most last week was, one, there is a right way in a long way to fire someone. 
and I think we've seen uh, and, and discussed you know, all the ways in which this was wrong, uh, poorly done by the administration. But that's not the most troubling thing. The most troubling thing for me last week uh, came when I, uh, one of the senators, and I don't remember who it was, I think it was one of the Democrats for sure, asked Comey if the president had ever talked to him about um, his findings or his work with regard to uh, the investigation of whether the Russians really did hack uh, into or try to get into our elections and what, um, what the status of that was. Uh, he, he didn't worry about that. He was worried about his own neck, his own butt. And for me, it's troubling that the commander-in-chief, the president of the United States, was more worried about uh, where he stood with regards to being investigated by the FBI than protecting one of the most sacred foundations of our democracy. That should trouble everybody. And that's, that's the, just the one thing I want to say about, about Comey's testimony. Alan Moore, you said you had another thing you want to add. About yeah, well, well now, I have, now I have two things. I, if, if my memory serves, I believe that, um, that the meeting in which the president asked Comey to stay behind, um, no, that wouldn't be true because Sessions was there. Um, I'm, I'm thinking there was an earlier – well, there was a meeting with the, with the senior intelligence folks alone. This was during transition when, when, when they did talk about um, what was going on in the election, what they were looking at, some of the troubling things they had found during at the end of which Comey first said to the president, Oh, Mr. President, could I stay behind for a few minutes to share something with you? And that's when, and that was something that he and the other intelligence chiefs had discussed, that the scurrilous uh, memo from Great Britain that alleged that the Russians knew all sorts of bad boy behavior that Trump had supposedly engaged in with, with uh, prostitutes, in in, in 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 Moscow, all of which has been uh, discredited, but was a document that Comey knew, and he talked about this in his testimony. They knew that the press had it and was about ready to start talking about it publicly. They wanted to be sure that the president wasn't caught off guard because they knew about it, wanted him to have it, didn't want to make a big deal of it, but wanted to alert him to it. So that, in, in an odd way, that was a predicate for clearing the room and having a one-on-one between the two of them. It's my belief, though, that that came on the heels of a meeting in which they did, in fact, talk about some of what the Russians did. So I'm not saying that the president has has that at the top of his mind. He's got a lot of things that are up there, but I don't think that, that it, it, it was completely absent. The thing I wanted to talk about, though, about Comey, was that one thing I found really interesting in his testimony, he confirmed the fact that on three different occasions, he did tell the president directly, you are not the subject of an investigation. And the president begged him, in effect, to make that public. And he declined because he said, in effect, 
if I do that now, I would have a duty to disclose later if circumstances changed, as happened in the <laughs> the the whole uh, Hillary Clinton investigation, um, where I think he Comey did make some significant mistakes and then had to make had a duty to disclose. I think that that the fact that he told this to the president on multiple occasions, which he confirmed, which had never been leaked, interestingly, um, that, that Comey needed to somehow get that word out beyond the president. Mr. President, I can tell you the secret you care so much about, but I can only tell you and eight senior members of Congress. Nobody's leaking it. But we can't let anybody else know, even though this is driving you nuts. I think that Comey needed to find a way to confirm publicly that the president was not a subject of investigation. I think that was a significant mistake. Well, uh, and that may be. I, I, I do want to talk, though, about uh, the situation involving Christopher Ruddy, a close ally to Trump and the editor of a conservative media website called Newsmax. Uh, he, in an interview with uh, PBS NewsHour last night, stated that uh, he is weighing the option that he, being Donald Trump, is weighing the option that he may fire uh, Special Counsel Mueller, former FBI director, as special counsel. Uh, it is now gotten legs inside the beltway. It is something that has gotten the attention of many on the Hill. Uh, if that is true, Admiral Ken, is this a smart move for the administration, or is this a catastrophic political blow if they try doing this? Well, also in, in um, the, 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 the piece on Sidewire yesterday, uh, I made the point that just because you've got a right to do a thing doesn't mean that you should uh, or that you should do it in a clumsy or stupid way. Uh, my hope is that that this was a, a trial balloon. If you tossed it out there, is, is this the case uh, when people get ready to do things in this town to see if it had any legs? I think if President Trump had done that with regard to the possibility of firing Comey, uh, he would have had the negative surprise that he got in the back end of that event. Um, I think, quite frankly, um, you know, like I said, I'm hoping that this is this is the floating of a trial balloon. But my suspicion is, with the tenor of things in this town as it is, um, uh, I think it would be a, a disastrous thing for him to do. I think that that would, uh, I think that uh, you know, people like John McCain, who is already for all practical purposes, you know, uh, started casting his boat away from the ship. Um, I think he might not be too surprised to look behind him and see a whole bunch of lifeboats swimming for the shore. It'd be bad. Alan Moore? So when I saw the, the, the ready remarks, I thought of two things. One, he has consistently and regularly gone out there and said things that that were linked to the president that were the singularly unhelpful. I can't come up with uh, uh, examples at the moment, but this is this is one of a series. There are so Two, many. I'm re- I'm reminded of the old phrase that with friends like this, who needs enemies? 
What an absolutely idiotic and stupid thing to start talking about. Ken may be right that maybe this was a trial balloon, but Ruddy's history is so spotty and filled with taking a grain of something and trying to turn it into something else. I have no idea why the president talks to the guy, and that's on the president. That's not that's not on Ruddy. You probably know that Sean Spicer on the on the immediate heels of the report that Ruddy said, well, the president's thinking about it. Spicer came out and said, Ruddy and the president have not talked about this. Prompting Ruddy to say Spicer and that group of second rate communications people should do its job and 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 not and not be attacking the friends of the president. So that I think that 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 even though the president has shown a strong proclivity to use authorities he has, as 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 Ken noted, um, in stupid ways and in unplanned ways and in ways that bring about unforeseen, highly negative consequences, that this is one that even the president would realize. Huh. Maybe that wouldn't be so good. Now, the fact that it's out there in this particular way and linked to this friend of the president, um, it, it has the effect of a trial balloon. I hate to think that they're so stupid that they would actually do this as a conscious trial balloon. Maybe it was an accident. Maybe it was maybe it was intentional. But the blowback is so significant and people start thinking, well, how would that work? So. You'd lose your deputy attorney general. He's the one who who decided to call him and named him, so he would have to step down. Um, I don't know what Sessions would do. This really would be echoes of Watergate. Um, and then Newt Gingrich, you've probably noticed, who uh, to right the day after Mueller was 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 named, said, "Great choice, fabulous guy." Uh, now, yesterday and today, is saying, "Oh, he's." His first four, uh, uh, his first four investigative staff that he hired, a bunch of Democrats, bad guys. Well, I happened to have a conversation <laughs> today with with a very senior, experienced Republican uh, hand in the in the field of justice. That's all I'll say. Who who knows these people? I don't know these people. He said. He said. Three out of four of those people are some of the best people I could ever possibly imagine, and they're exactly the kind of people that I would have hired had I been been in that job. And he he raised some questions about one and acknowledged that even in that case, he said, you know, I don't know that person very well, and 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 I I I would want to know more about that one. The other three, fabulous. So here's No Gingrich out here now saying, uh, great choice, and now saying. Uh, I'm, I'm not feeling that same way because he's hiring a bunch of Democrats who are bad guys. Um, thanks. Thanks again. Um, uh, he's the kind of friend who needs, <laughs> who needs enemies when you have friends like Newt and Chris Ruddy. But, but and, you know, piling on top of that, piling on top of that, you know, the, the other comment that Newt made was that these people had given a lot of money to the Democratic Party. Well, you know who else has given a lot of money to the Democratic Party? Donald Trump. <laughs> Good. Thank, thank you, Ken. Because actually, when you looked at the amounts of money that these people had given, they were, you know, over over a period of years, it was like a total of about ten grand. 
Hell, no, it was, it was a little bit more than that. It was a little bit 10, more than that. 10, 20, 30 times that every cycle. So well, that's, was, because was he, that's because he was a businessman. That's because he was a businessman working in New York City. Well, these guys, that's his excuse. These guys, these guys were government types. So, no, no, no. I mean, it's, it's, it, 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 it's just, it, you know, Mueller, meanwhile, is reading all of this and probably saying, oh, well, fire me. Gee, I have to go and write a, write a book. Um, but but uh, uh, he's yeah, but trying to be very serious about this. And maybe he's going to – now he'll probably yeah. think, wow, I thought that qualifications on the merits were what I needed to focus on. So let me find a couple of Republicans just to tamp this down. But – Okay, it's singularly unhelpful. Alan, let me ask this question. Is, is it a matter of that it was – if it was a trial balloon, it went over like a lead balloon. Is this a matter of political strategy, or is it really the ineptitude of an amateur infrastructure surrounding the president? No, or is it a guy that just goes th- – that's full of himself and goes off the reservation in the name of Chris Ruddy? Nope, and I think it's true. the latter. I'm not. That's that's no defense. That's no defense of the operation around the president. And as Ken points out, whatever whether it was intended to be a trial balloon, it was one, and it went over like a lead balloon. So, so here's my question, though. You know, and we've seen reaction from the Hill almost immediately. And I forget who the senator was, but one senator came out and said. Go ahead, fire him, and you know what we'll do? We will implement the uh, we will implement the independent counsel rule again, and we'll hire Mueller anyway. To me, this just seems like they're just throwing more gas on a fire that they don't need to be throwing gas on. Is that is that pretty close, Admiral Ken? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, it's it's. Uh, I mean, again, well, who's but who's the they? Uh, who's the day? Yeah, you're saying well, they just pouring gas on this. No, no, I'll tell you right now who the day is. Well, hold on, we got a caller right now. Caller from the 202, you're on with Backroom Politics. This is Dan Lipner. Dan Lipner's back with us. We missed you, Daniel. We have missed you. Who? I just oh, had to call in that this is the, the absolutely the, the, the best show I have ever heard. I'm honored to be able to talk to all of you, and you are all just truly the greatest people ever. And having uh, allowing us all to be in this venue is just the greatest thing. So I couldn't not call in today. Alan, oh, we have missed you so much. You know what? Because we've missed you so much, Dan, I'm going to give you 10 minutes to spew about the Intelligence Committee hearings over the past week and a half. And go. There's, re- there's really not much to say other than I wish I could live in a world where the president can be called a liar by the former director of the FBI and say, you know what, I see this, and that means I'm vindicated. Really? Um, <laughs> uh, well, let me the, let me let, let me go back. Hold on. Let me let me ask you questions here, Dan. Before you go on a tirade, because I'm going to have to control this now. We have our resident Democrat back. So, Dan, let, let's start with the idea 
of and, – and we had a long discussion about it, but I want your take on this. The, the idea that the intelligence chiefs and, and, and attorney general sessions have all said that they feel it's inappropriate for them to comment on any discussions that, ha- that they've had with the president, it's almost invoking executive privilege without invoking executive privilege from the Oval Office. Are they right in, being, uh, in, in, in supporting the confidentiality of the talk with the president or – are they in fact not working? Are they not working with an oversight committee that is conducting an investigation? What's your take on that? Uh, yeah, I, I'm. I suspect I am on the side of Alan on this, but possibly not. The my my belief is Congress has an absolute <laughs> right to know. Uh, Congress has the duty and the right of oversight, and they are guardians of. Of the government on this, uh, and a and a and a potential tyrannical executive. So, if they want to take something like that into a closed session to make sure any security issues are covered, so be it. However, if the president is actually asking for an executive agency to do something inappropriate, regardless, Congress has a right to know, and Congress is the the, the closest branch to the people. And the idea that the president can ex- invoke executive pri- privilege willy-nilly, or worse yet, the implied invocation of executive privilege without it actually being thrown out there is, is nonsense. Um, the, the people have a right to know it. At a bare minimum, their representatives have a right to know. Is, so is I, there... I think it's pretty, uh, pretty straightforward. I mean, I mean, is there legal precedence for the oversight authority in the investigation into the Russian question that is inherent to the Senate Intelligence Committee, which is the lead committee on the Russian question in the Senate side? Uh, is, is there uh, – say the question again? Is there legal precedent <laughs> – jeez – you got to get back with us, Dan. I, 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 I'm trying to cover an hour and a half of show with you in two minutes. Is there legal precedence for the fact that they have the authority to demand answers from the, the foreign intelligence chiefs and the attorney general saying, look, did he or didn't he? The, the bigger question is whether or not there's precedent for the president to assert executive privilege there. And – there is some some question as far as when executive privilege is is asserted for what goes into the decision making process of the executive branch, and the the logic behind this is you want to, you want people to be able to ruminate and ideas to, to percolate without without them having seen the light of day immediately. So advisors can actually say things that might be horrendous, but they're not going to find their way into the press or Congress, which may as well be synonymous with the way things are leaking at the moment. Um, so allowing that kind of freedom of, of conversation and allowing ideas to flow, that's the, the basic history for the executive privilege, um, principally around the, the White House and, and members of the, the White House senior staff and occasionally cabinet members as well, but that can vary since the cabinet members also are quasi-independent heads of their own agencies, meaning they they have all been uh, confirmed by the Senate 
Um, so they do have a, a, a authority that's slightly distinct from the presidency, but they also have a responsibility that is absolutely somewhat distinct from the presidency. So the president can issue orders and they have the right to refuse and then to resign. But going back to my previous point, Congress still has a right to know when there's an actual task indeed at hand, not whether or not the president is ruminating on, you know, how should we handle what are the possible solutions we can have for a Russia investigation to block Putin and the Russians from doing something like that again? What are all our all of our options? Something like that would fall under the, the heading of executive privilege. The how do I get away with with what I did? That would not. <laughs> is, is, is the fact that there is a criminal element be investigated by the special counsel Mueller, it, it, does that come into play as far as any decisions the White House might want to make regarding executive privilege? Well, there's also a distinction there. So it, in the case of Mueller it being a criminal investigation, while a congressional investigation can lead to a criminal investigation, Mueller there's a different element there. So aside from your, your, your Fifth Amendment rights on self-incrimination, the Mueller very much has the right to go after whatever he would like, including, and this is just a basic law evidentiary statement, a, state, a statement against interest. So if Trump said out loud to somebody, I am doing this because... That is known as a statement against interest. That is absolutely uh, allowed and can be subpoenaed and de- demanded by a special, a special prosecutor or a special investigator. Uh, people don't necessarily need to answer, but they, and they can kind of deal around that. But outside of that, we have a right to know, and there is a process for knowing it. So the, the intelligence she's balking is... is iffy at best and at, from from what I saw of the hearings even those people who wanted to try and defend the president on that point were noticeably silent on the any defense on the 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 non assertion of executive privilege executive privilege. Also on that note I suspect the only reason Trump hasn't overtly asserted executive privilege is because he does not understand executive privilege. Is that the, I mean, does this go back to uh, the fact that he's got a white house counsel that isn't exactly fine tuned uh, that he's got an amateur uh, infrastructure around him running the white house. Is that part of the blame? It, it, it could be part of it, but also White House counsel is an interesting beast. The White House counsel is the lawyer for the people, not necessarily and the lawyer for the White House, not necessarily the president's lawyer. It's a different thing. So, which is why he's brought in his outside counsel, who includes the the former legal head of the ACLJ, the the American Center for Law and Justice, uh, Jay Sekulow. Um, who's never kind of done this kind of law. So he's not to say he's not an accomplished lawyer. He is very much so, but the, he, from, from what I've seen of him acting thus far, uh, he's, he's got a learning curve to, to, to go through there. So, but the white house council 
it, for executive privilege is a thing, but outside that, it's it's a different creature. And Dan, when you called in, we were talking about the uh, the Ruddy story that happened last night on PBS NewsHour, where Christopher Ruddy came out and said that the president is considering all aspects, including firing Robert Mueller as special counsel. How politically damning would that be to the White House as far as moving forward and trying to get beyond this? I, I, I think any loose comparisons to Nixon have just suddenly tightened up an awful lot. You may as well just call him Archibald Cox. Um, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Is, is, is there is there precedent for I mean because the special counsel rule is something that is relatively new as a replacement for the independent counsel rule which sunset after Ken Starr and the Monica Lewinsky investigation is there legal precedent because the understanding in the public is is that Robert Mueller is supposed to act independently of the White House and the administration, thus the special counsel title, but still has to answer to the attorney general who is recused and the deputy attorney general who is now the direct line to Mueller. Is there precedent for his firing? I mean, can can the Senate, in fact, say, yeah, not a good idea? I mean, the Senate can say whatever it wants, but, I mean, aside from Archibald Cox, I don't think there is precedent for a firing of a special prosecutor or special counsel investigating the executive branch. Um, I I could be wrong on that, but that's the only example that I know of. I mean, uh, the Monica Lewinsky investigation that started with Whitewater and became a headache for everyone, and mostly because of the politics, less because of the law, um, is part of the reason why why they, they allowed the former law to expire, because everyone saw it as this unwieldy beast that can create some uncomfortable politics. Um, but going down the Mueller road just for a second, it's worth noting Everyone thought Mueller was a stand-up, phenomenal, great guy on all fronts. I did not hear or read anything negative against him until more things came out, and that, then, then they wanted to start, started to look for a reason to fire him. I mean, this is Washington 101, the politics of personal destruction. As soon as somebody something uncomfortable, go after the, them directly. And lo and behold... Mueller, who was part of multiple, he was the longest-serving FBI director since J. Edgar Hoover, and was considered one of the best ever in the position. Who he, I believe he was immediately after Louis Free, I think, and yes. I'm sure somebody can correct me on this. Yes. And Free was problematic uh, during his tenure, but Mueller, everyone had nothing but good things to say about him until now. And this is how politics is played. So and, and, uh, the question and, is whether or not somebody can have actual, a, some actual political integrity and say, you know, why well, I might disagree with this. They're still unassailable. And, I, and Alan, I said this about Comey and I said this about Mueller. And Alan Moore, to go back to your idea that the fact that uh, Roddy, uh, that um, 
uh, Ruddy may have been talking out of his uh, lower orifice. Uh, he stated in the interview with uh, PBS, and he said, well, just a day after the president talked to him about becoming the new FBI director is when he was appointed special prosecutor, and he's got a conflict right now. Does anybody realize the fact, Alan Moore, that he's already been the FBI director? That would be kind of a downgrade for him. Well, what he doesn't want is 10 more years, and that's typically, even though, as we've learned, it's not, a, it's not an unbreakable 10-year term. Um, he's been there and done that, but he's willing to take on a year, 18-month, whatever assignment. that He would hope it wouldn't be any longer than that. Um, and uh, it, it, it's it, it's unnecessarily messy. I think I think uh, that, that Dan is absolutely right that that in this weird world of Washington, it's not brand new. It just seems to get more and more intense the moment somebody comes out into the public eye and to to, to fulfill some kind of a controversial role, and particularly when it's an investigation that may come close to a, an increasingly controversial president. He's going to be a target, so he knows that, and he uh, he looks at that and probably thinks, eh, "Yeah, weird. I've seen some of this. It's too bad. I'm going to hire the people I want. If they want to fire me, fine. Let them pick up the pieces afterwards." Um, but I, 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 here's what happens. One guy, maybe in a conversation with somebody in or around the president no reason to believe it was the president himself, none, um, uh, might have said, hey, you know, we could, fi- we, we could fire him. And Reddy goes out and says, well, the president's considering firing him. So there might have been some kind of basis. So maybe there's two guys, three guys that have talked about this. And now we're talking about it. Newt Gingrich is out there making his arguments. The, there's this outrage on the Hill. The press is is all hot and bothered and doing heavy breathing over this issue that two or three people started. It's, yeah. it, it, it's very regrettable, but I suggest it's time to move on. Well, well it, is, I, it is worth noting that Paul, Paul Ryan actually did chime in on this one and for the first time in a while chimed in on the side of integrity, which was let Mueller do his job. And I, I, I appreciated the speaker saying that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's just hey. too bad that he. It's too bad he felt that he had to. Yeah, <laughs> that too. Hey, uh, I, I can't go invite this... him over for dinner now. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> hey, uh, I, I can't go the show without talking about uh, another piece of news that that happened uh, involving the Trump travel ban, and I can use travel ban because it's words that President Trump used this week as part of his tweet storms that have gone out. So in case you don't know, the Ninth Circuit, which has already knocked down the travel ban, the, I believe it was the Second Circuit, uh, Dan, correct me if I'm wrong, the Second Circuit Court of Appeals has also knocked down the travel ban. I believe it was the Ninth Circuit. That the last one was the Ninth Circuit, I believe. Well, okay, the most I, recent was the Ninth, but the, the previous one, I thought it was the Fourth, but anyway... 
two may, circuits may, now. Yeah, yeah, but, now two circuits. Is, let, me, let me start with you, Dan, on this one because I'm so happy to have you back. Dan, is this thing dead now? Can this thing be put to bed? Or is this something that we could see be revisited again and again and again regardless of constitutionality? I mean, the president has has actually not just said they're going to appeal to the Supreme Court. I believe they actually have, and they've asked for an expedited hearing. Um, yes. And, I mean, just in the world of interesting, uh, it, just down the legal geekdom road, whether or not the president's words, or in this case tweets, actually have any bearing in the interpretation of law or an executive order. And the president is his own worst enemy by essentially saying exactly what the law or his executive order is not allowed to do, he's referring to it as a, as a ban, which all of his advisors and spinmeisters have been bending over backwards not to say the president has essentially said. So the question is, do the president's words matter? It's no longer the, the candidate's words. It's the president's words. And whether or not that is evidence as far as intent of how to carry out law, I, I don't actually know the answer on this point. It could be evidence to lead toward it, but when the chief executive actually starts saying things he shouldn't, I think that's pretty conclusive. And that's going to be one of the questions that the courts are going to start dealing with. And that was part of the Ninth Circuit's argument that the, the president said it. Why should we contradict him? Admiral Ken, to me, this, this I is, mean, go ahead, Alan. Well, I was going to say this is kind of what's known uh, in Washington as stepping on one's own personal Washington monument. Um, <laughs> it's, it, no one can believe that after all the effort to redo the original document, to argue in court that language, as Dan mentions, that was used in the campaign many months ago and then abandoned, um, suddenly (laughs) is used contemporaneously by the president in his own words, completely undercutting the, the some of the core argument that uh, that his lawyers have relied on. The Supreme Court hopefully will take a look. They will. De- they're the ones who now have to have to decide. The irony is the original order <laughs> asked for three months to review the procedures for vetting visa requests, four months uh, suspension of refugees coming in. And guess what? It's much more than four months later that we're still today debating it. Um, but uh, the, the principle and is important. nothing bad has happened. Well, uh, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the Ninth Circuit uh, basically said the underlying rationale of danger to the country was not, was not met. Um, having said that, who gets to decide that? And that's the principle I'm talking about. I've never liked those orders. I always felt the president had the authority to issue them. Admiral Ken, from a national security standpoint, is is this the White House jousting at windmills in a very Don Quixote-esque method? Or 
is there an underlying security measure that we actually should consider this type of travel restriction or, if you're the president, travel ban? Well, I, I, in, in, I, I can't think of a good reason why uh, supporting that executive order makes sense. Um, if you think about uh, even the attacks in London, uh, two-thirds of those attackers were homegrown terrorists. Most of the attacks that have taken place in this country, with the exception of the Underwood bomber and one of those folks uh, out in San Bernardino, they were homegrown guys, with the exception of the attacks on that level, of course. So, uh, you know, I, I'm, I, I didn't see, I didn't see um, where that was going to be very effective. Um, to Dan's point, uh, uh, and to Alan's point, it's been four months. My hope is that while they were, uh, while the administration was, was posturing to get this thing approved, uh, that in the background, the folks at Homeland Security, uh, which owns TSA and a host of other agencies, uh, were doing their job to enhance their vetting process to make sure that uh, we, were staying, we, we, we were staying as secure as we all hoped that we are. So, yeah, jousting at wind, windmills, I think, is putting it, putting it very, very uh, politely. Uh, I think the whole thing is going to waste time, and it's just it – is, it is giving my friends – on the Democratic side of the aisle, one more uh, arrow in the quiver uh, when they start saying that, that, that there's, there's hate mongering going on here because, quite frankly, there's, it makes no, no real rational sense. Uh, Alan Moore, is, is in, the, in the grand scheme of things, is, do you see any reason why the president should continue to push this other than ego, and the cover of I'm keeping a promise. Well, absolutely, um, which is why they're taking it to the Supreme Court at this point. You know, the time, the time of the executive order, the relevant time has passed. But, but, but the underlying principle is what, over what sorts of things does the president have authority and, and where and when can, uh, can the courts overrule his legitimate authority? I am of yes. the view that much as I hate the content and reason, um, which is just an interesting sort of uh, <laughs> a political science dilemma that many people have, I think the president alone has the authority here to uh, decide how best to protect the borders, so long as he's not in violation of the law. But he's and, violating the law. He's violating the law. We don't discriminate in this country on race, religion, or nationality. He's violating the law. Well, we can, you know, that that's your view. I have a different view of it. I don't think he's violating the law. I think that he's acting that that the second executive order that a bunch of people got their hands on, took a look at, were did in fact constitute a pause um, in in the process, and I felt that it was illegal, even though I hated the content. So yeah, but the um, Ninth Circuit, yeah, but the Ninth uh, Circuit, so that. Stopped that. Even the Ninth that's, Circuit that's the will be the final final decider here. So, you know, I think that the president. This is not the time for the president to 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 throw in the towel and drop it. I think he should shut up about it. I think he should stop referring to it uh, as uh, 
uh, As a in a way that man? is directly directly contrary to the to to what his lawyers are are saying. Um, the, you I, know, find that's just, I find it ironic that the one time that Donald Trump is being honest, uh, sheer agreeing with him. <laughs> the one time he's being honest that I'm agreeing with him. What? Uh, where's the Where's up, the irony? Yeah, I'm missing. Up, Donald Trump is being honest in, in, in this regard. He's calling it what he thinks it is, a travel ban. And because Donald Trump is not dressing it up uh, pretty uh, in, uh, in, 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 to, your con- to your comment, making the content less ugly, you know, you're, you're saying that... No, 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 no. Kim, Kim, the content, the content is the content. It's illegal. The content is the content. One can call it a travel ban, one can call it a banana. It doesn't help his legal case. The content is the content of the executive order, period. That's what the court will look at. They can look at the other stuff and take that into account. That's certainly what the other courts have done. But, um, and I think it's completely an an idiotic, narcissistic, um, uh, dumb way to get something that, that he wants, but but the you know the courts will look at the words in the executive order, all, most of which would have been irrelevant, but for the fact that they were because of the timing, but for the fact that they were suspended. Well, we got ten minutes left, and I know we got to talk about one thing because uh, obviously we're going to keep an eye on this all the way up to the Supreme Court. But we got to talk about the North Korean cabinet meeting that happened in the White House yesterday. <laughs> In a bizarre, bizarre display of just awkward praise for the president and the honor of serving at the pleasure of the president, in his first full cabinet staff meeting, they went around the room and basically basically gave him a verbal massage on his ego and it was just absolutely it was uncomfortable to watch that's the only thing i can say watching everybody watching somebody like rex tillerson and watching uh you know watching your secretary of transportation and your your secretary of health and human services just gush poetically about how great this man is was just it was something out of a korean soap opera Alan, you know I know you got what's that, Admiral Ken? You know what? So the one guy, the one guy that did not fall into that trap, I guess guy being the non gender specific term of the new millennium, the one person General General Mad Dog Mattis, Secretary of Defense. Oh my goodness. Mattis talked about serving his troops, serving his people, and uh and I thought, okay, so the rest of you guys are pledging your allegiance to to the Donald. (laughs) He is not. But, but by the way, did you see the look on Mattis's face in some of the close-ups on Trump? Because he was sitting there right to the left of Donald Trump. The look on Mattis's face of just sheer awkward disgust was priceless. <laughs> but there, I, I, Alan Moore, I know you've got thoughts on this. <laughs> I... I... <laughs> I've never seen anything like that. It really, it really was sort of stomach turning. 
in its creepiness. And I, I, much as I enjoy disagreeing with you, I also had a North Korea connection in my mind. This is the kind of thing where you could see the, you know, a, a, a ritual um, fra- phrasing of uh, the king, with the exception of Mattis. They weren't all as bad as each other, um, but the whole thing was grotesque. I did, I did actually, there were two things that amused me. One, um, uh, uh, a guy who I've known a long, long time uh, is, is Bob Lighthizer, Robert he- Lighthizer, the new USTR, who was only just uh, confirmed recently. McCain and a couple of others were holding him up, uh, even though he got confirmed by many more votes than, than, than some of those folks around the table. He, 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 he started out, and I don't know how he finished, so he may have, he may have shamed himself at the end, but what, what I heard, with the, the, the snippet I heard was when he said, I just want to apologize to everybody for being tardy, and then there was sort of a pause, like, oh, was he late to the meeting? He said, yeah, it took me uh, four extra months because I got caught in the swamp, and everybody <laughs> laughed. I don't know what he said after that, so he may have sucked up in a disgusting way, too, it's not sort of in his character, but I'm guessing it's not in the character of a lot of those people. And what I want to know, and this will come out, is who thought this was a good idea? Was this from the president himself, which, of course, is the logical conclusion? Or was this something that <laughs> the, the crack team around him said, you know, how about this? It's the first time everybody's together. And and I, I want to know who who thought this was a good idea because because then you may have seen Chuck Schumer with some of his staff ridiculed yes. it on Morning Joe this morning everybody ridiculed it we ridiculed it this is going to be the new sort of way to ridicule it you don't want to be the laughing stock you don't want to be and this president is one last little item from that cabinet meeting when the president finished telling everyone what a great president he had been. (laughs) And we haven't even talked about that grotesque exaggeration. Oh, you you mean Um, about how he he passed more legislation and has gotten more things done than any other president other than maybe FDR because he had a depression? Oh, yes. Any other president, well, with maybe an exception. And And then he mentioned FDR. But when he first wanted to go around the room, go back and look, because this, this amused me. He said, so I want to just take a moment and go around the room and, and, and let everybody – here's what, what he said. Say, say their name <laughs> and their agency and, you know, kind of uh, any thought they might want to share. And I thought, wait a minute, their name <laughs> – <laughs> and, and then he said, let me start with our vice president, Mike, you go ahead. And, and Pence started. And I think it was transport. I think it was labor that was second. Thank yeah. God they didn't start mentioning their name first. Cause that would have, I don't know. So it was horrible. Okay. Un, un, uh, unbelievable, indefensible. And he wanted them to introduce themselves to each other. What a tight team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
it was it was it was absolutely bizarre and 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 again you know it, when at a time when we're literally begging some sort of leadership out of the white house some sort of selfless act to come out of this president and we turn around we see this and by the way the one who gushed poetic the most did you see Reince Priebus literally do everything but sacrifice himself on the cabinet table good I think the whole thing was Reince's idea I really do I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it. You know, the only thing that was missing was Steve Bannon just walking in with, like, show dancers from Atlantic City and Trump in neon signs around him and a big Broadway show tune about Trump being great. That would have been the, that would have been the ultimate. That's just me. It, it, it was uh, – the, the, the best thing about the – if somebody was kindly saying a, a verbal massage as opposed to a verbal something else that's intimate <laughs> um, uh, was that it we're talking and joking no, 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 about no, no, that. No, let's call it rather, it is. Rather, it was a, it was a verbal hand job given in okay. the cabinet room of the White House. <laughs> I am free to call well, that out. That was a verbal hand thanks. job. Thank God you you use hand now. Yes. Um, so so the 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 self-aggrandizement that the president invoked upon himself. And by the way, we got really, sixty seconds, guys. That was really the most disturbing piece, but it was it was it it, it was overcome by the bizarreness of all these people kneeling down and and making themselves available for whatever uh, service was needed uh, um, that that became the quick, main quick. story but i just cuz it was so odd and different but i think trump sh- sharing with that group before the cameras how great he has been yeah. so far was was, was was significantly more pathetic we're going to refer to him as supreme leader from now on that being said on behalf of admiral ken admiral ken uh, Alan Moore, and thanks for Dan Lipner for chiming in. I'm your host and moderator, Justin Russell. We'll be back live next week on the best political talk show you've never heard of. It is Backroom Politics live on Blog Talk Radio. You can check us out. Check us out on Sidewire. Check us out on Backroom Politics. Have a great week. Bye-bye.